All right, December 31st. What a weird time of the year, isn't it? Like this whole week, you can't say Merry Christmas anymore, and you can't say Happy New Year, because it's not the new year yet. So I just always just find, kind of find a little bit of a funk right now. But uh, I've also never quite known, am I supposed to be reflecting on 2017 at this time of the year, or am I really supposed to be planning for 2018? And I found myself this week, I have to say, reflecting a little bit more on last year. Now, I have to let you know, you have to understand that the reason I was reflecting on last, this, this year, 2017, is because I'm asked to teach today. I don't want any of you guys to get the idea that I'm really that disciplined and I ever really reflect or think about anything in the future because I really don't think about much of anything most of the time. But because I was teaching, you know, I started thinking about this year. And I started getting into some discussions with some friends of mine, and I met with some people and talked about, like, I got to teach this weekend. You know, it's that kind of middle weekend in between years. And uh, what do you guys think? And we got in some good discussions, but mostly about the last year, mostly about what we've taught the last year. And as I talked to these guys, one thing became clear to me that there was a passage uh, that I probably talked more about and incorporated into different messages more than any other passage, as well as in counseling and just talking amongst friends and people. And it was Colossians chapter 3. And in verse 15 and 16, it says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. He goes on to say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. I talked about that passage and taught on that passage so much. And as I thought about it this week, two words really stood out to me in that passage. Peace and wisdom. Peace and wisdom. And I began to realize that one of the things I could say is my heart is that hopefully over this last year, I've helped us think about some wisdom. And hopefully wisdom that ultimately results in peace. And I believe peace is what we're all looking for. Peace is what most of us are trying to find. And I'm convinced that it's from wisdom that we really get that peace. I believe that the Bible talks about Jesus' work brought peace, that Jesus says he gives us peace, and over and over it encourages us to live in peace. But that takes wisdom. It takes wisdom in our relationships. It takes wisdom in our situations. It takes wisdom in our actions. It takes wisdom in our thoughts. It takes wisdom in all aspects of our lives, in many different aspects, in order for us to really experience this peace. And I thought of this story of King Solomon as I was looking at things this week. And you guys know King Solomon. He's my great, 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 great grandfather. Um, for any of you who don't know, my name is Steve Solomon. So if you're new, you're going, what's this guy talking about? So I try to relate myself to the great king. But back in that day, he had a dream. And in that dream, God asked him, to ask him, he said, you can request anything you want from me. And Solomon thought and said, I want a discerning heart. He basically said, I want wisdom. And God was pleased with that, that he said, man, because you didn't ask for honor or for wealth, but you just asked for wisdom to lead my people, I'm going to give you honor, wealth, and wisdom. And that's what he gives him. And in Ecclesiastes, a book that many believe is written by Solomon, in verse 2, chapter 13, he said this, I saw that wisdom is better than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. Now, if you know anything about Solomon, it probably took him a while to get here. 
It was through a lot of foolishness that he found wisdom. And have any of you found this to be true? Any of you found that wisdom is better than foolishness? For how many of you did it take a while to get to that? Maybe you were 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or you still haven't quite gotten there yet. But most of us have come to that realization. So these discussions this week that I had with some friends of mine really got me thinking about this last year. And what did we teach here at Rancho? What mainly did I teach? What were some of the points and the ideas that I taught that I think have some wisdom to them that could ultimately leave lead to peace. So I want to do something different today. What I did is I wanted to start, I would look through all the, a lot of the sermons and most of the series that we did, and I pulled out some points. I, I pulled out some points that to me really captured some of this idea of wisdom that I think leads to peace. So I thought what we would do is kind of look at those points, kind of reflect on some of the things we talked about, and maybe that'll help lead you into 2018. Maybe that'll help give you some ideas of maybe some of that future journey that you want to be on. So I hope you don't mind that we're going to kind of relook at some things and kind of reconsider some of the things that we taught. In January, we did uh, one of our favorite series this year, and it was called One More Try. And hands down, we got so much response from One More Try. We got emails and people talking about this idea of One More Try. And one of the points that I made, it was actually on January 1st last year because Sunday was January 1st, Uh, One of the points I made, I continue to wrestle with, and it's a conversation I have a lot and I think about a lot as one of the pastors here at the church, and this was the point that we made. May we press on towards unity in that we are loved by God through Christ and called to love one another. That was something we talked about. That's something I talked about a lot since then, this idea of unity, And how might we have unity in what matters the most, which is that we're loved by God through Christ and we're called to love other people. Man, I want to tell you, I love how theologically diverse we are here at Rancho. I love that. I love that we can have people from different backgrounds and different theological positions all together, moving the kingdom forward, moving the cause of Christ forward together. And I think if we can continue to focus on that kind of unity in the midst of diversity, I believe we can have a huge impact going into the future as a church on this community and on the world. Man, we live in like information overload society right now. So I've come to the realization, anything I say here on a Sunday morning, you can go Google it and come up with 20 people that disagree, probably 15 million people that disagree. And so we need to be able to stop having such a dualistic approach, right? I'm right or you're right, and be able to discuss and talk and have conversations. A matter of fact, once a month, we're doing something called conversations. And in December, our conversation was on end times. And it was so fun. Up on this stage, we had four different people, all of them from Rancho, all of them on the stage at the same time, and all of them disagreed with each other on end times. And we had an awesome conversation and questions and answers and I don't knows, and it was a great night. In January, when I taught this message, January 1st this year, I pulled out a bunch of different four view books. I love four view books. One of them I have here that's called The Four Views on Hell. Megan mentioned, starting January 10th, I'm going to host a class, and we're going to talk about the different views of hell. 
And I have different speakers coming. Mick Wilson, one of our board elders. Savo's going to come in. We're going to do a six-week course, and we're going to cover different views of hell. And we're going to look at it from historical, from biblical, from philosophical. Do you ever struggle with hell? Do you ever struggle with some of those ideas? Well, come and understand. Maybe your understanding isn't the only way of looking at it. I cannot wait for this class. So if you want to come to that, that's going to be starting Wednesday, January 10th, and we'll go through that. And I love that idea. We talked about Romans chapter 15 during this message. And this is kind of one of those passages that really uh, captures this heart of unity for me. May the God who gives us endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth... Am I... We go, there we go. <laughs> you may glory. I've memorized the whole Bible except for this one passage. You may, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. And check this out in order to bring praise to God. Let that sink in. As we have diversity and we focus on unity and we accept one another, that's what begins to bring praise to God. I think our culture is looking for that more than ever. That idea that I can come and I can have thoughts and differences and not sure how things all work out, but we could be in a conversation. That passage has challenged me with the reality of how important unity is. And that unity that we want to focus on is that we are loved by God through Christ and we're called to love one another. The second uh, series that I really liked we went through the book of James and we called it The Beautiful Life. And by the way, if you're new here, you've been coming for like a month, all these messages are online. They're all on the app. You can spend like 52 days in a row listening to messages from us. How exciting does that sound, right? You can go and listen to all these series. They're all on there and available. But we looked at the book of James and we called it The Beautiful Life. And I got to tell you, one of the groups I got, a couple guys I got together with, friends of mine on Wednesday night, and we were talking about this upcoming message. And one of them kept saying, like, you got to talk about this, Steve. You got to talk about this. You always talk about this. We even tried to divert to other conversations about some other things. And he would go, I just think you need to talk about this and kept coming back to it, you know. And this was the point. And, you know, when I thought about it after leaving that meeting, it's right. It, he's true. Or he's right. I talk about this a lot. And it's something I think about a lot. So this is one of my points in A Beautiful Life that we talk about. The beautiful life is one that sees the significance of today it doesn't get too caught up in the uncertainty of tomorrow. I talk about, I, I realize that is something I talk about a lot. And that is something that I really feel that I'm in a constant fight to not let go of. I mean, is there a lot to worry about? Is there a lot to worry about in tomorrow? There's a lot. I get it. And I have to constantly fight to not get too caught up in tomorrow to the point where I don't give my effort into today that I can. And that's huge. And as I've said before, my litmus test to that, my litmus test is do I have a healthy view of yesterday and a healthy view of tomorrow? My litmus test is how I'm living today. That's all I got. I can say, oh no, that doesn't bother me or I'm not worried about that. But only litmus test I have is how am I handling today? What am I focusing on today is where I sit and try to figure out how am I doing in this. We are in the book of James. So I had James 4.14. It's where he teaches why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? 
You are a midst that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So James is trying to get us to think about this temporariness and this temporariness of life. Now, I understand that I have to plan some things. There's probably some financial planners out here right now going, oh, gosh, I hate when this guy talks. You know, you got to plan, right? Or maybe teachers, any teachers out there that, you know, this is killing you. And I understand. We got to plan. I even believe that worry is a reasonable response to things. I'm not saying that we eliminate all that, not in any way, shape, or form. Okay, I get that. But I do need to understand that nothing is certain except that today right now is real and there's some important things I need to focus on. That's for sure. And I think we need to set our hearts on that. As I was thinking about, back about this year, I lost my stepbrother to pancreatic cancer this year. He was in his early 50s, incredibly healthy man in so many aspects, physically, work-wise, mentally. And cancer came up and got him in months. And during that time, he focused on his daily life with his kids, with his family, with his friends. He never complained. He just kept living. Every day he kept living. And he kept giving thanks till the very end. I want to be more like that. I want to be more like that. Whenever I think about Eric, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 comes to mind. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Ever wonder what God's will is for you? You ever get a little paralyzed? I don't know which decision to make. Well, I don't know either. But I do know this passage. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not because of all circumstances. Not for all circumstances. I get it. It's in, it's within. I think giving thanks is a choice. Gratitude is a choice we make or don't make. That's God's will for us to have that attitude, that heart of thankfulness. My brother did that. And I want to do that more because tomorrow is not certain. And I don't want to get too caught up and waste too much time during focusing on that which is uncertain when there is something certain, which is today. I need to make sure I have my heart on that and I'm putting my time in there. I was uh, driving the other day and I'm listening to this book on tape and a guy said something that was just like, oh, I got to get that. And I'm not real good with the phone and Siri and all that kind of stuff, you know? So I'm like, oh, Siri, no, take a note. How do I take a note, you know? Because I'm driving, I want to get this. I want to get this point and I got it. Here's what he said. And I've just been thinking about it for two days straight now. Life is a mystery to be lived, not to be solved. Oh, man. That got me thinking. Life is a mystery to be lived, not solved. How many of us get caught up and I need to solve everything? I need to fix everything. I need to figure everything out. And if I'm not sure about something, I can't commit to moving forward on anything. We can't live that way. It's something that life is something to be lived and it is a mystery. And this verse that the guy I was talking about on Wednesday kept going, that verse you say, Steve, that verse you say, Steve, this is the one, this is the one you have to say and it's Psalm 118, so I'm gonna say it. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Right, just as this is it. Let us rejoice, let us be glad, let us live it, not 
try to solve it. Sometimes we just need to live more. Stop trying to solve everything. And that leads to the next, um, the next series. And this was another series that I think really stood out this year. It's got a lot of conversations going to our Easy and Light series. We did our Easy and Light series and, you know, a lot of emails and conversations and people really getting impacted because we are basing this on the teaching of Jesus, that what he's demanding of us and what he's bringing is easy and light. It stems out of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then here's where he says it. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is making this call for us to come to him, to come to his way, to come to thinking the way he thinks, to come seeing his purpose and that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so that's what we unpackaged. And I got to say that, you know, out of that series flowed into many conversations and especially this point that I made in this series, this main point that I made in this series, I can say has become a topic of conversation for me at home, in counseling sessions, in my own just everyday thinking. And this was the point that the week I got to teach. It said this, the easy and light life comes through my choice to treat others the way I want to be treated. That has stood out in my heart this last year and just continuing to overflow. It doesn't get much more simple than that, right? That's just such a simple, basic reality. I don't always know how other people want to be treated. I've been married 24 years and I don't know how my wife wants to be treated, it seems like, half the time, right? Or my kids, I'm not sure how they want to be treated all the time. I don't know how to respond when something happens and I'm in this situation but I know how I want to be treated. I, knew, I know how I want to be treated. And I just came to the realization, if I just start today treating everyone how I wish I was treated, if we all, if you started today treating people the way that you thought, the way you wanted to be treated, I think we'd be moving in a pretty powerful direction. I think we'd find our relationships and situations and families and, and I think we, we might start seeing some change. This all flows out of Jesus teaching the golden rule, right? Matthew chapter seven, verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the golden rule, right? After this is where he says, for it's a narrow road that leads to life and few find it. It's a narrow road that people are gonna treat others the way they wanna be treated. There's a wide road where we treat people the way we are treated. Many people go down that road and it leads to destruction. That's what he's teaching in this passage. There's so many things we can talk about when it comes to the Christian life, right? The life of Christ, but when Jesus says, I'm going to sum up all the law and the prophets, I think we should really pay attention. If he's not going to sum it all up in this, I was talking to a guy out, we were talking about end times. He's actually one of the guys that was on the panel. And I was going, man, you said some things that made me think we're talking. He goes, you know what though? I think the bottom line just comes down to we're called to be loved by God and to love others. I go, that's what I'm going to talk about today, you know? That's where it narrows down to. 
So when he sums that up, we should really think about that. He's trying to narrow it down to such a basic, easy, light, simple statement. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Religious systems could be so burdensome, can't they? They could heap so many things on your lives, so many things, burdens that heap on ourselves. I just want you, if you have a Christian background or going to church background, or if you have a non-church background, I want you to finish this statement in your own head. A good Christian does blank. What comes out? What do you think about? Or how about this? How about in this sentence? A good Christian will never, what do you put? What comes out? What comes out from your background? What comes out of you that why you left church when you were 18? What do you remember, man? A good Christian doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, doesn't go to R-rated movies, doesn't play cards. They don't dance. They don't put tattoos on for goodness sakes. And women don't wear pants. They go to church three times a week. They read their Bible every day. They pray every day in front of restaurant people and meals. Oh, so embarrassing. What is the list? What is your list of do's and don'ts? And over the years, I've come to realize something in my own life. That these burdens, these hoops that we think we need to jump through have become a smokescreen to I think the call to love one another's is you've been loved or to treat others the way you want to be treated. I think it's a smokescreen because there's something that I have found out. It's way easier sometimes to not smoke, to not drink, to not curse, to not put on a tattoo, to go to church, to read my Bible and to pray than it is to treat others the way I want to be treated. And so I can put a smokescreen up. Man, look at me. I got my t-shirt on. I got my cross on. I go to church all the time. How long did you read today? How long did you pray? What books are you doing? Da, 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 da. Oh, I wouldn't go to that movie. That's already, and I'm against that. You know, Jesus wouldn't be there. Would Jesus be sitting there next to you? All the stuff I remember, it was actually more easy in a sense to jump through hoops than to just put all those things aside and finally sit there and say, I want to treat others the way I want to be treated. And you know what was crazy? That's when the peace of Christ, I feel, started ruling in my heart. That's when I started going, it's this simple. And man, when you experience the peace and you see that you get to bring that peace into other people's lives, it's life-changing. It is easy and light. Even though the religious burdens are heavier and it can keep us on if we think we're trying to appease God, it could just become such a smokescreen. And we can feel so good about ourselves because I'm jumping through all these hoops. But do not make me love that person. Don't, don't make me do that. No way. Man, Matthew chapter 7, as Jesus continues on his Sermon on the Mount, he says this. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I just want to tell you my side of things. I don't think he's saying this post-mortem after you die, enter kingdom of heaven. I think he's talking about entering the experience of the kingdom of heaven here and now through the power of the spirit working in and through his people. This is it. This is the kingdom of heaven in and through us, reigning in and through us. We are the body of Christ. And that is what he's, I think that's what he's talking about. But only he who does the will of my father who is in, who is in heaven, you know, Treating others the way you want to be treated, that sums it all up. Look what he goes on to say. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. 
What is Jesus saying here? And I think he's teaching about the kingdom here and now. He established his kingdom. He's reigning through his hearts. We are to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we don't experience that kingdom and walk in that kingdom by jumping through a bunch of religious hoops like prophecy, driving out demons and miracles. That could be just a smoke screen. But look at all that we're doing. Yeah, but you're not getting it. You're missing the beauty of the message that I came to bring and you can live into and experience a peace of Christ ruling in your hearts as you clothe yourselves, as it says in Colossians, with compassion and kindness and gentleness and acceptance and love. And you experience the life that I want you to experience. That's what Jesus taught and put on display. That's what I think is building a house on solid ground that can't be torn down very easily by circumstances and situations and the storms of life. When we learn to put other people above ourselves, when we learn to care about others, we can make such a powerful, powerful impact when we treat them the way we want to be treated. You know, I've talked about this before, but it's kind of interesting to me. I work with a lot of people that I walk with that just seems like they want control over everything. And in reality, they're just giving everyone else control. Because what they think is going to bring them peace is if everyone treats them the way they want to be treated. If I became the center of your, more of your center of your existence, then I will, I'll find peace because I am the center. And the reality is, is as they're given control, they're just allowing every single person to dictate their lives. When I take on the words of Jesus, and I sit there and say, I'm going to treat others the way I want to be treated, man, no one can get in the way of that if I don't let them. I just get to keep treating them the way I want to be treated. And that's a powerful way to live. Not only will it make Christ rule and reign in your heart in that peace, but over time you'll find yourself bringing peace into other people's lives and making a difference. It'd be a powerful reminder. And that kind of brings me up to um, the next, the last one, because that's how God's kingdom advances. And so we did a study through Philippians called You Got This. We went through Philippians and we taught on You Got This. And without a doubt, there's something, I kind of alluded to it already, but we're just gonna make the point and kind of drive this one home to end it. There's something I wanna grasp from my own heart and my own life, and I so long for you to. I long for every person on this planet to. I long for every counseling session I have. I, I long for people to grab hold of this. And I taught it in the You Got This series through Philippians, and this was the point that I just kept thinking about. Our lives matter for the kingdom of God to keep reaching people and changing the world. Our lives do matter in the lives of those around me. How much could things change within our homes and our friendships and our workplaces and our schools and on our teams if we would really begin to believe this, that how I treat people matters to them matters in my own soul and it matters to them. And in Philippians chapter two is what I got to teach. It's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. But in Philippians two, he said this, do nothing at a selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Oh man, how might things change? If you consider, oh, go back to the, go back one, go back one more so I can, yeah. As you consider others better than yourselves. Instead of just wishing everyone saw you as better, you considered them better. 
What a difference. Okay, go on. Then he says this. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Oh, man. Now, I know there are some parents in here elbowing your kids. Yeah, you should consider our interests. Think of your mom. Think of your dad, right? what, What if you as a parent actually thought of them? You considered their interests. What are they going through? Having empathy for them instead of demanding empathy for yourself. What could change but also the interest of others? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then as he goes on into Philippians, as he moves down, he's in, and then he talks about Christ coming and dying and giving his life for us. And he goes, for it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose, which is his kingdom here on this earth, moving forward in and through his people, bringing peace and hope and life. For it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. So then do everything without complaining or arguing. Oh, how things might be different if I just said, okay, I'm not going to complain and argue that I may become a blameless and pure. Now check this out, because this is pretty cool. Child of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Oh, when I started realizing that my life can bring life, that my li- I could hold the word of life out to others, how powerful of a reality that is. As I live in that way and I think about things in that way, putting on display that which Jesus showed in and through his life, that his kingdom was built on humility instead of power and serving instead of being served. It was built on mercy instead of judgment and forgiveness instead of bitterness, acceptance instead of rejection and love instead of violence and bringing salvation and restoration to lives marriages, families, relationships, cultures, communities, and ultimately the world. That's the plan. And it takes wisdom. It takes wisdom. But I believe that if we lived into this understanding of unity, we focused on unity, we saw the significance of today as the most important day, and in that we chose to treat others the way we wanted to be treated realizing that my life does matter for the kingdom of God to move forward and to continue to advance through my life, I think we might experience peace more in our hearts and lives than we ever could and might just begin to bring peace into these situations, circumstances, relationship, and the world around us. I don't know, just some thoughts from 2017 that I hope maybe, maybe one can help move you into different thoughts for 2018. You pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for, man, this message of Jesus we see in the Bible. I thank you so much for throughout the scriptures, how we see people wrestling with their understanding of failures and successes and not getting it right and getting it semi-right, not knowing. Oh, the beauty when we can just see life as this mystery to be lived instead of solved. That we would take Each day is an important day for us to live in unity, to put others above ourselves, to treat them the way that we want to be treated because our lives matter in this kingdom of God here on this earth and advancing. May you give us that vision. May you give us that vision as we move into 2018. For your glory and your honor, in Jesus' name, amen. 